You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. I am so glad you're here. If nobody else has told you yet, hey, good morning. It's Sunday. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Somebody tell your face, we're going to smile today. We're going to smile. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in this day that God has given me. It's another day. And the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. That means you used them all up yesterday. We got a new batch of mercy just for you. Grab your Bible if you would. Genesis chapter three. We're going to keep milking this simple chapter. There's so many good things in here that I think the Lord is speaking to us as a church and as individuals as well. As we're turning to Genesis chapter 3, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. You guys are an incredibly giving church. You guys have trusted us with your finances, and it means the world to me. We've also been able to do a ton of remodeling over in our children's area, and that is not possible without you being generous. So thank you. On behalf of those little ones, thank you. So it is nice to be able to go to a church that I'm not embarrassed to have to put my kids in there. There's nice stuff over there. Come on, some of you have been to places that you're like, sorry, kid. I like this church, but... You got to take one for the team. (laughs) I'm really, really thankful that you guys are so generous. Thank you so much. It it does mean the world, not just here, but to those that are are, are missionaries uh, around the world and ministries that we're supporting. Uh, It does mean a lot. You're making a big difference. So thank you for that. Genesis chapter three, we're going to continue on with our series called In the Tension. In the Tension. I could have just called it uh, In the Awkwardness, because that could also be the, the motto of my life, In the Awkwardness. I enjoy it. It doesn't bother me a bit. But here's the thing. God makes a perfect garden. The Garden of Eden puts man and woman there. Everything is perfection until disobedience comes along and screws it up for everybody. Perfection meets tension. In this moment of disobedience where they uh, decide they're going to do what they want to do instead of what God tells them to do, We find that uh, disobedience brings a heavy price tag, shame and guilt, all of these negative things enter our world that should never have been here. I was thinking about uh, a joke that I heard one time that first service did not think was funny at all. We're going to see if we can try round two, (laughs) see if you guys are more enlightened than them. So Adam and Eve are sitting around in the garden and Eve looks at Adam and says, hey, you've been spending a lot of time away here lately. Are, are Are you being faithful to me? And he's like... What is wrong with you of being faithful? She said, are you cheating on me? He said, you're the only woman on the planet. Of course I'm faithful to you. Like, what are you talking about? She said, come here, let me count your ribs. (laughs) See, I knew it. That joke kills in second. People in first, y'all need y'all's coffee. That's a good one. (laughs) Let's, let's, Let's read the Bible. Genesis chapter three. Uh, starting in verse six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. Unless you're from Texas, we say naked. So, <laughs> so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You know, when I first read that, I thought, that's not what it was like in the painting, because in the painting, there's just one leaf. 
Remember looking at the paintings, you're like, what? Why do they have a leaf there? That's weird. Am I supposed to have a leaf? Where's my leaf? No, it says they sewed fig leaves together. And for some of us, it would take a lot more fig leaves than others. I'm just saying. Some of y'all, some of y'all on January the 1st, y'all started y'all's diet and y'all are doing good. For the rest of us that live in the human world, my New Year's resolution is to eat whatever you have left. I'm, I'm bulking. I'm not cutting right now. I'm bulking. It's not season for me. No, no, no. It says they, they, they felt shame. They felt guilt. And to cover that up, they sewed fig leaves together for themselves. Look at this. And it says, then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord. They hid from him. Here's where it gets awkward. Here's the tension. See, before it was a great relationship where they could learn and grow, interact with one another. Now they're hiding and separating. They hid from the Lord God among the trees, but the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He said, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Shame enters the world because of disobedience. Guilt enters the world because of disobedience that all started with the belief of a lie. So the Bible says that the serpent comes and tempts Eve and says, you can eat that fruit. You can disobey God. This is gonna, it's gonna make you wise. You're gonna know the difference between good and evil. You're gonna be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, this is an interesting point because that's, it's only a partial truth because understanding good and evil from a human perspective is completely different than our God's perspective. You see, God is not a man that he should lie. Scripture says God cannot lie to you. The Bible tells us that God cannot sin. He is holy. He is righteous in every way. Our God is above sin. So his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So when he says, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil with this deceptive undertone. It's not the same way that God sees good and evil. I heard it said this way, that God knows sin intellectually. We know sin experientially. We understand what it's like to feel the weight of our own disobedience, the weight of our guilt, and the weight of our shame. God doesn't think in those terms. His ways are higher than yours. You're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. Not in the same way. You see, a doctor can understand cancer, but not like the patient. That's two different experiences. See, one is like, I have to deal with it. It's inside of me. One says, I know, I know, I know what, I understand a lot about it, but I don't have it. And here is God and man and the tension between creator and created. Now, we can't be too hard on Adam and Eve because if, you wouldn't, if, if, if they didn't screw it up, I would have at some point. I promise you, one of us somewhere along the line would have been like, oops, my bad. We've created this awkward tension. And so as we talk about the shame and the guilt that enters the world through disobedience, I want to give you three things that are really important. This is just a simple truth of the gospel that we see starting in Genesis. Here's three things I want you to write down. Number one, shame needs a covering. It says they sewed fig leaves together to cover up their guilt and their shame. Shame needs to be covered. Of course, that begs the question, with what? You know, fig leaves, what if I get poison ivy? We got, we got two problems now. Shame needs to be covered. I think for many of us, we will at some point fall into two different extremes with our life. The extreme of no shame. Like I didn't, it wasn't really wrong. It's the way I felt at the time. 
this is my truth? Or y'all just got to bear with me, this is just the way I am. Like I could have done something really wrong, but I excuse it, there's no shame. Y'all are just gonna have to live with it, that's, that's, that's me. Or then there's the other side of, of, of no shame, and that's all shame. Where no matter what people tell you, no matter what you experience with God, you constantly live in the condemnation and the guilt and the shame, never feeling like I've ever been forgiven, as if forgiven was a feeling. All shame or no shame, the extremes that we feel, and we will do anything to cover it up. Today, we still make our own fig leaf skirt. See, for some of us, and even for believers, we will go to church and we'll choose churches based on how we want to deal with our shame. And you may go to some church and they'll, they preach fire and brimstone from the pulpit. Everybody's going to hell unless you tie. And we say, oh, beat me up, wreck my life, torture me, because it makes me feel better about my own guilt and shame. And we choose to deal with it by becoming a martyr. Abuse me. I like it. Or then we may go to some church where it's just like, hey, you got grace, boo-boo, do whatever you want to do. God's going to forgive you. We call it greasy grace. Sloppy agape. You like that? See, first service doesn't laugh at that stuff. My people. Let's have a moment of prayer for those of us that want to volunteer to move to first service. We got to get a little life in there. My early risers are like, You're supposed to be a pastor. Behave yourself. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Going to church can't cover shame. Doesn't matter what kind of church you choose. Going to church can't cover shame. Or maybe we'll sow a fig leaf together of our good works, thinking as long as I have more good than bad, then I'm in a good place. And I will stack up all these good things. You know, I gave some money to the poor and I gave a homeless guy five bucks and I brought some people a cup of coffee when it was cold. I served at a soup kitchen. I served a church and we'll add all these good things up together hoping that at some point this big balance between what we've done right and what we've done wrong will suddenly shift towards more right than wrong. Let me tell you, that's legalism. You can't earn a covering for your shame. I was talking to some Mormon missionaries one time that were knocking on my door and they want to share with me about, uh, about their doctrine and we begin to talk back and forth and of course we always get to the place where we start talking about how do they get, their, uh, get, get into heaven and they, they have to earn it. They earn it by knocking on doors. They earn it by talking to people. They earn it with the list of things and you can dismantle the entire religion by one simple question. When do you know enough's enough? Because if your entire eternity is hanging in the balance between what I've done right and what I've done wrong, how would you know? Isn't that an important question? And they just stared at me. And finally said, that's a really good question. I'm like, if I were you, I'd want an answer to that. When's enough enough? And how would I know? Let me remind you, believer, son, daughter of God, being good can't cover shame. It doesn't matter how good you are. Being good can't cover shame. Isaiah says it this way in chapter 64. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. He doesn't say your sins like filthy rags. He says your righteousness, the best of what you can do, apart from Christ, the best of who you are is not good enough. Not enough. 
He says, we all shrivel up like a, look at the next word. That's an interesting word, leaf. He says, our sins sweep us away in the wind. Being good can't cover shame. Going to church can't cover shame. Or then the rest of us will just get busy. We will pack our schedule full of so many things to try to distract ourselves from the shame that we feel. If I can just get busy, I can ignore it. Let me remind you, being busy can't cover shame. I'm talking to somebody today. Let me talk to you. Let me be your pastor for just a moment. Being busy can't cover shame. Will it distract you? Sure. Can it be a good thing? Sure. Will it buy your way into heaven? The more busy things that you do, that doesn't make any sense at all. Being busy doesn't cover shame. And then let me tell you about another category of people that, that I understand a lot because this is the kind of person that I am. People that will add insult to injury. People that know that they've done something wrong and instead of taking that back to the presence of the Lord and asking for forgiveness, asking for mercy, asking for grace, I'll go further into it. You think, well, if I did this, I might as well do that. And as long as you're gonna go to hell, you might as well make a splash when you get there. Like, doesn't that sound fun? Like, until you think about it. Well, if I do this, then might as well do that. If I go here, might as well go there. If I've gone this far, might as well go this far. Because if I want to repent, better make it worth it. Let me remind you, more sin can't cover shame. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. He said, there are people that are ignorant of God. There are people that don't know any better, and that ain't you. You know better. He says, I say this to your shame. What's wrong with you? Now, there are a lot of people that will tattoo Philippians 4.13 on their body. Ain't nobody tattooed 1 Corinthians 15.34. Come back to your senses and stop sinning. But they probably should. I need this verse. This could be a live verse. Come back to your senses. Stop sinning. I need, I need it. I need it like right on my legs. I can see it. Look down. Oh, yeah, I can't go there. More sin can't cover shame. How do we relieve the tension between my shame and my guilt and God's justice? Here's point number two. Grace is God's covering of my guilt. Grace. What a beautiful word. This unmerited, undeserved favor from God that you couldn't earn on your best day. This free gift. Look at this in Ephesians chapter two. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. This ain't some fig leaf that, skirt that you put together. Yeah. It's a gift of God. Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful gift of God to cover up my guilt, my shame, every wrong that I've ever done. There's grace. Grace for the moment. Grace for today. Grace for the situation. Grace that covers me and empowers me to not stay stuck in my sin. You know, one of the greatest lessons that my dad has ever taught me, and he's taught me so much, but I'll never forget it. He says, son, keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. Don't let sin stay there and stay there and compound and get worse. Keep short accounts with God. So God gives grace where man tries to make fig leaf coverings of themselves, where we put ourselves in places to try to cover up and deal with our own shame and our own guilt. And really, when God looks at 
what man has made, Adam and Eve, and looks at those fig leaves, he said, that, that, ain't, that ain't gonna work, son. That, that, that don't cover like you think it covers. You're gonna need a lot more fig leaves than that. It's inadequate. And really, it's a quality issue, is it not? It's quality. I don't know about you, but I bought some things in my life that I, I hey, I should've just paid the money. They say, buy once, cry once. Sometimes, cheaper, cheaper ain't better. So there used to be... Um, there used to be a kind of skinny jean that worship leaders had to wear. <laughs> don't, don't laugh at me. Some of you, I, some of you, I've seen what you wear in the pictures. Explain jinkos to me, weirdos. <laughs> Come on. You fit 12 Backstreet Boys in those pants. <laughs> but there were these pants. Of, there's this, a kind of jean that's called a nudie jean, N-U-D-I-E. And this was really exclusive, super expensive. And all the Hillsong guys in Sydney, Australia were wearing these kind of jeans and so of course once they wear it like you've got to have it and so I looked up these jeans online and they're like 350 bucks for the cheapest pair and I'm like whoa I'm like what what kind of church budget do y'all got because I, I I can't roll with that with that kind of quality and so I kept looking and they were special because you you'd put them on and you get in a bathtub with cold water and the cold water would make the jeans like conform to just you so it's custom made like it don't get skinnier than that Hey, when you're up there on stage and you're leading worship, like it's, it's going to be all about you at some point. And they're the skinniest of the skinnies. We all wanted them. Don't look at me like that. You got your things. And I remember wanting these pair of jeans so bad, but I couldn't afford anything close to that. And so I found some that, were, that looked just like them. And they're a knockoff, you know, kind of version of that. So I got those. They're like 30 bucks instead of 350. And I'm like, I'm going to wear these. And so I put them on, I'm getting ready to go lead worship, and we're in there, and, and I'm, I'm walking up to the stage just as the video's coming down, it's like, all right, let's get ready to, to, to worship into the presence of the Lord, and I go to take a step, and those things rip. <laughs> and when I say rip, I don't mean like, oh, I, I made a little hole. They ripped from knee to knee. Horseshoe, all the way up, from knee to knee. Like those basketball, like breakaway pants, like, whoop, I'm like, oh my God, like they weren't sewn at all. I'm not exaggerating in the least. I'm telling you, from knee to knee, these pants split. And they're like, let's get ready to worship. I'm like, oh, let's not. And I've got my hands like right here, like holding my pants together. Because you can't hide that. They're like, let's, let's dance around and worship. No, let, let's sit down. Let's. <laughs> they turn from nudie jeans to booty jeans real quick. And this ain't that kind of church. You're going to get fired for this. But there's going to be a long conversation, which you will not like, in your senior pastor's office. As soon as this service is over, we need to talk. <laughs> and I remember going to the bathroom, like, hey, y'all figure out something. I'll be back in a minute. And the guy had a pair of gym shorts that saved my life. So I preached in gym shorts and, and black socks. It was weird. <laughs> but it, it's a matter of quality. Come on. And here's the thing, when we try to cover up our shame with anything other than God's grace, you got a quality issue. It ain't going to last. It doesn't cover what you think it covers. And you can be busy and you can go to church and you can pile up all your good works next to one another and it's not adequate. So the Bible says that the Lord God, in Genesis 3, 21, the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and he clothed them. He said, what you've got, what you're putting together, it's not enough. I'm going to do this for you. And in this beautiful story, this beautiful picture of God taking the skins from innocent animals and putting it on mankind to cover their shame and their guilt, we see the very first 
gospel sermon ever preached by God himself. A sermon that was preached not with words, but in symbols and action where God says, your covering is not enough, so I'm gonna do it for you. And he clothes them and covers their shame and guilt. I wanna remind you, grace is God's covering for us. And it shows us a beautiful picture that no matter what, God has always provided us a way to come back to him. No matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, there's always a way to come back to his presence, and it's through grace. Somebody say grace. 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 Now, we throw around that word a lot, grace. But I want to bring you to point number three. Number three, grace is not cheap. It's not cheap. We use the word a lot, but there was a high price to pay for God's grace. You see, God's grace had to be worthy to relieve the pressure of God's demand for justice. Now, when you think about the word justice, we're from Texas, and justice may take a completely different meaning for us here than it does anywhere else in the world because, hey, we will use whatever means it takes to get Justice. This is a wild west. Come on, somebody. And we're proud of it. Justice, that's for evil people. If we see you doing something, we catch you on videotape, if there's a couple of witnesses, hey, we're, we're going to have justice. You hurt a child, we're going to have justice. If you take something innocent and you destroy it, there's going to be justice because this is Texas, baby. Get some. But we like to demand justice for those that we believe are truly evil, not recognizing the evil in our own hearts. No, justice for, is for them. I, I don't need justice. I'm, I'm more good than bad. I want to remind you of this simple truth. God is as much justice as God is love. He is a holy God that demands justice. And it's a price that we can't pay. On your best day, with your best works, with your best decisions, it's not good enough. We need Grace, and grace came with a high price that none of us could pay, that none of us could pay. I want to remind you of what Christ had to walk through on a cross. You see, the cross is more than just a piece of jewelry that somebody might wear around their neck. It's more than just a a tattoo you might put on your leg. The cross is more than a symbol. For Jesus to hang on that cross, he had to walk through being beaten. It says they pulled out his beard. They spit on him and abused him, hit him in the face when he was blindfolded. And they said, tell us who hit you. If you're a prophet, tell us which one of us was it. And they strip him naked and run him up on the cross so that the entire town could see and mock him. They hurled insults at him. They placed a crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hands and feet, a spear in his side. How could God sit idly by and watch that happen to his only son? Let me remind you, grace came with a huge price, a huge price. So it's not something that we throw around flippantly. I can do what I want because I get grace. I can live how I want to live because I got grace. That's cheap grace. You don't understand grace and the price that was paid for the forgiveness of our sin and for the covering of our shame. You know, you come across a scripture like this one in Isaiah 53 that says, yet it, the Lord was pleased to crush him, him being Jesus, pleased to crush him severely. 
Let the weight of that scripture hit you right there in the chest. The Lord was pleased to crush him severely, and by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. How could it please the Lord to watch that happen to his son? How could that be pleasing to God? I want to remind you of this simple but profound truth. It pleased God to punish Jesus because he wasn't having to punish you. Grace isn't cheap. It came with a heavy price tag that your Savior hung on a cross for. So that not only would you have freedom from your shame, but you'd be empowered to rise above it and not have to live that way any longer. It's a high price to pay for low living. You couldn't pay it. He paid it for you. And there's the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel wrapped up in two people that had disobeyed and were hiding from God from shame and fear. And God said, where are you? I had to cover myself. God says, let me do that. Let me provide a way for you to come back to relationship with me. What a beautiful picture. And we've got a couple of extra minutes at the end of this um, little talk. And I want to give you a a chance to maybe go a little deeper. You know, um, in Mark chapter 11, there's there's a curious story about Jesus that I've never heard explained very well. And I've heard messages taught on it, and every time I hear, uh, hear them describing the scripture, I'm thinking, that doesn't really fit theologically with how I view Jesus and how I, how, I, how I think and process of him, what I understand about him. It says this, that when Jesus was leaving the city of Bethany, that he went over to a, a fig tree because he was, he was hungry. Now, you could, you could say he was hangry because Jesus ends up cursing this tree because it has no fruit. You ever been hangry enough to curse a tree? And I've heard messages preached that way, you know, like, oh, you do stupid things when you're hangry, and, you know, there's other scriptures about being, being hunger, and you're supposed to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Okay, but is that really what this scripture is about? I don't know. But it says Jesus was expecting to find fruit, but it wasn't the season for fruit. So you're telling me that Jesus doesn't know the seasons? That seems like something that Jesus would know. So how could Jesus expect to find fruit when it wasn't season? And I've had people preach this, this sermon about any time that Jesus shows up, he's expecting to find fruit in your life. I'm like, yeah, but the next verse says, but it wasn't season. So if you're telling me I'm supposed to fake it till I make it, is that what you're saying? I'm supposed to pretend like I got it all together, pretend like I'm doing good things, pretend like I'm bearing fruit worthy of repentance, but I don't know yet. It's not season. I want you to be able to think critically about these scriptures because I read it and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense with me. If Jesus knows it's not season, why is he cursing this tree? Why does he expect there to be fruit? Does he expect there to be fruit? Then I I hear about, you know, well, Jesus must have been hungry. Like, wait a minute. I remember a time where Jesus met the woman at the well and the disciples had gone in town to buy food and they come back with food and this lady's leaving because she's just had a dramatic encounter with Jesus at the well. And she goes away just exclaiming about all the goodness of God because the Messiah has just been revealed. And they're like, wow, what in the world was that? And it's like, man, I'm telling you, the fields are ripe for harvest. The workers are few. This is a, an amazing moment. This is a powerful transformation. And they're like, Jesus, eat something. And he says, I have food to eat that you know not of. I ain't hungry anymore. He says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. To do the will of the one who sent me. So when we see Mark chapter 11, we said, well, Jesus must have been hungry. I'm like, wait a minute. 
No, he has food to eat that you don't know of. So, well, Jesus must not have understood the seasons. No, he's God that knows all things. But it's the tree, the fig tree, that has no fruit, just leaves. Just fig leaves. And Jesus says, may no one ever, ever have to use you again. Think about the things that we cover up our own shame with. How you doing? Fine. Doing all right? The things we cover up our own shame with. We're just busy. The things we cover up our own shame with. Well, I'm going to church. Well, I'm trying to be good. All the fig leaves. And Jesus looks at a tree with fig leaves and curses it. Inadequate. You see, God sent Jesus to the cross to cover our guilt once and for all. So we'd never have to pretend to cover up our shame again. And that's the good news of the cross. That's the beauty of the cross. That's the power of the cross that I couldn't do it. And on my best day, I can't, can't earn it in any way, shape, or form. It's not possible for me to earn God's grace. But thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, Grace. It's not cheap. It's powerful. It's not weak. It's beautiful. So as we finish up today, I want to remind you of God's great grace. I want you to think about, are there, is there an awkward tension between me and God because of things that I've said or Things that I've done, places that I've been, things that I've looked at, attitudes of my heart, the way I've treated people, the way I've been disobedient. Is there a tension between me and God because of I've done wrong? My friend, I want you to know that just coming to church today or just watching online, that's not going to alleviate your shame. But there's one that did. He purchased it for you. It's called Grace. I believe it's a day to keep short accounts with God. And so in the next few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to connect with your Lord and to deal with shame once and for all. To have a moment of honesty and transparency before the Lord where you recognize the inadequacy, the poor quality of what we cover our guilt and our shame with. We're going to make those things right and receive the free gift of grace today. Father, is there anything between me and you? Is there any awkward tension because of my disobedience? If there is, I want to confess that right now and ask for your forgiveness and ask that you cover over my shame with your grace. Your great grace. I need it. Your grace is what saved me. Calls me to something more than who I've settled for. Grace. So, Father, in the tension between you and I, we find the cross. We ask that your blood that bought grace for us would cover our sin and wash us clean and help us to become all that you called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name.
Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or like me, you may have been raised in church, but you've wandered far away from God and you need to come home. You may say, I I don't really know how to do that. I'm not sure what that looks like. I want to help you just like somebody helped me one time. If you want a relationship with Jesus or if you need to come home, pray with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Come on, friend, pray with me. Say, I believe that you came, you died, but rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Thank you for your grace. Would you come into my heart and take over? Be the Lord of my life. I give myself to you right now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was you, and you prayed that prayer, you're not ashamed or embarrassed to admit it. We just look up at me all over this place and then slip your hand up and say, that was me. I did. I prayed that prayer. Good. Good. I prayed that. Good for you. I'm so proud of you. Proud of the decision that you just made. And if you're here with us in the room or if you're watching us online, there's a number that's going to appear on, on your screen and on the screen behind me. I want to invite you, if you prayed that prayer, would you text me? The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. Text the words, I prayed. And when you do that, I'm going to send you some things that I've prepared just for you that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. And I just want you to know I am super proud of you for making that step of faith today. And I want to help you. It's just the greatest honor of my life to watch people take that step into a relationship with Jesus. Let me help you. I'm happy to do it. Good for you. For everyone else, High Ridge family, would you go ahead and look up at me and then stand to your feet? It's been such a joy, such an honor bringing God's word to you here today. And I just want to say to all of our friends that are watching all around the world, would you do us a favor if you like what you heard? If you feel like people need to understand the message of grace, would you share this message with your social media? Click the share button and say, I think you need to hear this. It's such a big honor when you do that for us and it would mean, it would mean a lot. Also have our elders and their wives and some friends that are going to make their way forward. They're going to be available to pray for you about whatever prayer needs that you may have. We have several of our elders out uh, this week, so um, they're on, we've got some Florida trips. We've got some other churches. We've got some other churches that we're asking for help today, so we're sending some elders out there to preach their messages and to be, uh, be Jesus and be us to churches that need some help. And so we've got some other friends that are going to step up here with us and be available to pray for you, and so be easy with them. <laughs> Go easy on them. These are the Socos and these are the Stanleys. And uh, if you need somebody to pray for you, they're good people to have pray for you. I'd love that. For everybody else, I just want to say, hey, thank you for coming to groups. You guys have maxed out our groups, and we're going to have to launch some new ones because there's too many of y'all. Some of y'all, it's time to become group leaders. Open up your home. Come on. Clean up your house. Put the dog in the kennel. Put out some crackers and let some people gather in your house. We need it. No, I'm just kidding, but I'm not. Pray about it. Let the, let the Spirit lead you. Let me bless you and send you out. Father, I thank you for my friends. I pray that you give them an incredible week following after you and living in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. 
Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.